Welcome to IBC Changemakers with me, Nadira Tudor. A conversation with global names from across the broadcasting world, sharing their personal drive and passion. The story of how they're shaking it up and making change happen. I'm delighted to welcome our next IBC Changemaker conversation with a rich career in the diversity and inclusion space and senior executive roles at the Telegraph Media Group, EY Financial Services and the City of London Police. He's worked in Europe, North America, South America, Middle East, Africa and Asia throughout his global career and is a multi-award winning diversity and inclusion expert listed as one of the most influential global DNI leaders by Hive Learning, the CIPD's top 20 power list and was honoured with an MBE in 2017. From Warner Brothers Discovery is Chief Diversity and Equity and Inclusion Officer Asif Sadiq. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's a long list and a very, very impressive list. Oh, thank uh, you. I feel almost embarrassed sitting here interviewing you. But <laughs> as Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer, what are the key challenges in a global leadership role? Yeah, so so, so I think there's, there, there's a few things, right? I, and I think the last couple of years in this space has changed a lot. You know, we've seen a lot of progress, a lot of change. Um, but in a in a truly global role, I think one of the most important things is to acknowledge that diversity does look different globally, um, but inclusion is the same, right? People feeling included doesn't change regardless of where we go in the world. Um, but it is important that we acknowledge what does diversity mean in different regions, what part of their journey they're on. Um, and I think that piece is more and more important now as companies truly are global and they globalize, you know, like they work and what they do. It is important that we start to understand those dynamics, understand cultures, you know, uh, which which can be so different, you know, regardless of, um, regardless of like where you work, you know, things can can have an impact, just dependent on um, the elements of diversity that are important to you or areas of diversity that you feel are important. So, so I think that's a huge change, um, and more so as well. I think just understanding that. You know, what is diversity? You know, diversity isn't a singular dimension or one thing. You know, all of us, every single person listening in to this will, will not be defined by one element. Yet we define people by these boxes we've created um, that are not true. You know, I, I mean, I'm made up of multiple layers of diversity from what I, you know, from my ethnicity to, to my, um, you know, my, 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 my faith to the fact that I'm a dad to two young kids. You know, all those elements are just as important. But how do we truly understand those authentic elements is, is the key uh, piece when we think about global diversity. I think that's really fascinating that you're talking uh, about global diversity because I've had the opportunity to work in different countries across the world, like many people. And sure. of course, I've grown up in the UK. And I think this is a very interesting point um, as the daughter of a migrant. So, uh, you know, and I'm second generation. So within this context, within you know, the way I've grown up, I'm obviously um, an ethnic minority. Sure. Uh, and I come from a minority group for that reason. But having said that, when I go abroad, and even if I'm not um, 
ethnically com um, completely the same as some of the countries I've been to. That question that you've just talked about, diversity, what is diversity? Well, of course, I'm not really that diverse when I go to some other countries. So, so I'm interested to hear from you. What does that mean when you say, look at diversity globally? Sure, sure. And, and I think that's exactly to the point that you've just mentioned. It's about understanding in the local context, what does it mean? Uh, you know, I, I was recently uh, out uh, in India uh, visiting our teams there. And, and it was fascinating, right? Race would not be the, the, the element because, you know, everyone looks very similar. Or even me in, in India, you know, I could be mistaken to being someone from there. But then when you go beyond that element, then you see there's so many other elements, right? In, in India, diversity from sexual orientation to the caste system um, and, and, and so on. But that's the context we need to apply when we think about the global uh, remit that you can't take what might be relevant in one country and lift it and apply it in another country. You have to truly understand what it means. Um, and, and, you know, even when you think about the experiences, to, to your point around, you know, being an ethnic minority, which is a term used in, in, in the UK um, or in the US where, you know, there's terms like people of colour and so on. But even the experiences of two people who look the same will be different, right? So someone who's, um, you know, let's, for example, say someone who's black and their experiences in the US will be different to someone who's black in the UK or someone who's black in France or Germany or, or another region. Yes, there's some similarities uh, around some of the struggles and challenges, but there are those unique differences of the history um, and, you know, the, 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 the sort of, you know, even the history in, in, in those various different countries, like what generation they are, how they migrated to those countries. So I think understanding those nuances are really important when we think about our efforts because you want to talk to the people, right? You want to talk to your staff. You want to talk to um, individuals in a way that they, they, they see it as you're talking to them rather than taking this one, one vision globally um, of what diversity might be. It's those blanket rules, isn't it? It's quite difficult, as you say, putting people in boxes. Exactly. So in your role, because it's a huge job, <laughs> it's a huge job when you're looking after that uh, specific area across enormous company like, like you are. How do you implement changes or how do you make sure things get better? Completely. Yeah. So, so I guess the first thing is, I look after diversity, not just internally, but I also support, you know, looking after diversity on our productions, on the content we create. So it's, it's the whole piece, which I think is so important because a lot of diversity professionals um, end up sitting, you know, in a closet somewhere in HR looking at policies. And that's not the only thing. That's part of the change. But it is, you know, if, if a company truly believes in diversity, equity and inclusion, it should be both internal and external in, in what they produce, the, the content they create and the internal elements. I guess the other thing is, uh, with, with a lot of work that we're doing, uh, you know, and, and when I um, um, started my role, it was key for me that we really look at long-term sustainable change. And let me break that down, because I think in the last couple of years, we've had a lot of um, what I call uh, random acts of diversity. So good intention, great acts, one-offs that don't really create any sustainable change or any true um, movement or feel-good moments, right? Where we're, we're talking about, oh, diversity is great. And, you know, we, we feel really good about it. And then we go back to doing what we're doing. So what we're trying to do is truly weave in diversity into our business, creating that long-term sustainable change. And as part of that, we've got six global 
objectives that we're working on. And those are really the, the foundations of creating this movement um, around diversity. And I can, I can break them down for you just to give you an example of a few of them. Uh, so one is a global data collection exercise. We are collecting data globally around diversity, looking at strands, um, specific strands, so looking at gender, uh, race and ethnicity, sexual orientation, disability, and religion. Now, of course, there's countries where we can't ask certain questions uh, or can't ask certain uh, elements of diversity. And in those countries, we won't ask those specific questions. But we are collecting data globally. And we're one of the first companies to embark on a global data collection exercise. Why? Because the data will ensure that our efforts are measured, we create accountability, and we can focus on the real change that we need to drive rather than going back to the random acts of diversity that you know, might feel great, but they're not addressing the challenges or, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities we have. The second piece is we're, um, we're putting our top leaders, 200 and, um, 200 and some odd number, I, I can't exactly remember the exact number, I think 208 or 210 um, of our senior, most senior leaders on an inclusion journey, 12 months. Why? We all know half-day workshops on diversity, two-hour webinars on unconscious bias, don't create long-term sustainable change. So our leaders are going to go on a 12-month journey, which will give them numerous different interventions from traditional learning, um, self-taught learning, experiential learning, um, coaching circles. We really create this learning over a 12-month period so that we embed this learning. We give them the tools and we make them confident to champion this. And that's creating that, again, long-term systematic change that we really want to see uh, across our business. Um, and then alongside that, we're, you know, we're developing a number of other sort of key initiatives that drive change from, you know, empowering our ERGs, BRGs, business resource groups, really creating momentum through that so that they are creating, number one, a sense of community for the very groups they represent, platforms where people can learn, where, you know, when people want to be allies, want to, you know, uh, really support a the community, they can learn through that, but also using them to support our business. These are these are members of the, you know, the, the different groups we want to engage with. So they're part of our, our change as well. And then, of course, we run a number of pipeline programs to try to diversify the pipeline coming into our organization. So this is writers programs, direct, directors programs, where we give opportunities to underrepresented um, writers and directors, train them up, skill them, and then give them, give them the opportunity to really break into our industry. Um, and then, of course, our productions. We're doing a lot of work on trying to create inclusion on productions. Um, and that's about, you know, having representation both in front of the camera, behind the camera, but also the content. How do we tell authentic stories? You know, how do we move away from, you know, stories that might be stereotypical and don't give representation to um, diverse storylines or diverse ways of representing different communities? So there's a lot of efforts and each one of those efforts is about the long-term sustainable change that we want to try to embed. From what I can gather, they all sound amazing, I have to say. Uh, and, and again, um, I can see real change, which is fantastic, which is what we're talking about. But all these initiatives that you've put in place require funding, require real investment from, from the company. How did you manage to persuade uh, the powers that are above you? to invest in these really long-term strategies? Yeah, it's, so it's a really good question. I think the first critical thing there has been that I sit on the board of Warner Brothers. 
uh, discovery. So I, I have a seat at the table, if, if you know, so to speak. And that makes a huge difference. So I'm part of the decision making. You know, I'm part of everything that we do as a company. And that really provides me with an opportunity to really talk about all our initiatives, you know, get the support that we need from our leaders around driving that change. Um, and, and the company's been vested in, you know, the space of DI for a long time. You know, even with uh, when you look at the, the, the two companies that came together, Warner Media and Discovery, both had great initiatives, great work. And what we've really done is taken that together and elevated it and really created more of a, a sort of real sort of systematic change and the momentum behind it. But we've always had funding. You know, we have a, um, you know, teams globally. I've got people in each and every region. We've got teams looking after content and production, pipeline, strategy, um, and also, you know, substantial investment in the DEI space that allows us to, you know, initiate these big programs. As you can imagine, you know, even something like taking 200 odd leaders through a 12-month journey, it's going to have a cost attached to it. But we see that as being critical to our business. So it's built into, you know, you know, the cost around making us a successful business that has high-performing teams that are inclusive. And as a key decision maker, what do you think will be the key themes that make the most healthy and positive impact in our industry as we look ahead to Vision 2030? I, th I think there's a lot of things, and especially in this space, in the DEI space, I think we are currently uh, in a place where society is so divided when it comes to diversity. You know, we've got two opposite ends and you have to choose a side. And my view always has been that, you know, in the diversity space, yeah, it is about, you know, diversity, right? Diversity of thought, diversity of experience. Now, we can disagree. I mean, me and you could disagree on something, but we can still work together. We can still come together to produce exceptional results. And that piece is going to be critical for us going into the future, that how do we create systems, environments where we, we learn from our mistakes, where we can disagree, but still come together. Um, and that learning piece is huge as well, because I do think there's a huge fear of saying the wrong thing, getting, getting diversity wrong, being cancelled. And all of those elements don't help growth, right? So we need to create psychological safety in order to have some of those conversations in order to, to learn, right? If I, if I say something, or if I get something wrong, how does it become a learning opportunity for us to grow? Um, and also, the, the other big thing with all of this is um, it's never going to be perfect, right? Our efforts, you know, not everything's going to work. Even with everything I've mentioned to you, some of that stuff might not have the desired outcome. But at least I'm confident that we're not going to wait for the perfect moment to do something. We'll do it now. We'll try. We'll adjust. And, you know, if we don't get it right, we'll readjust and do it again. I'd rather do that than wait around for, you know, the, the perfect thing or get it 100% right. So I think going into the future, those are the things that are going to be critical. How do we try? How do we learn quick? And how do we continue to drive efforts in a way that, you know, everyone's part of the conversation where, you know, we, we all get behind it. And it's not just, you know, a small team doing diversity, but the whole organization is truly understanding um, the purpose behind it. It's interesting that you say, um, you know, those conversations need to be happened, uh, need to happen. And people should be allowed to, you know, understand differences and still work together. I, I completely agree. But there is the question of long-term impact for those who have been disadvantaged, um, which is something that has to be overcome. How do you deal with that when at the same time wanting to make those changes quickly? Because those impacts are actually things that last for a long time. Completely. And, and that actually goes back to the, the, the very point I was making that 
we need everyone to understand why we're doing things, right? And this is why those conversations need to be had. So if I'm running a program that's to support underrepresented talent, the whole business needs to understand it. Because if people don't understand why we're doing it, how are they going to support and truly understand, you know, the, the disadvantages certain groups might have or the, you know, the lack of equity someone might have? Um, and in the absence of having the conversations more widely, the problem is people will make assumptions. People will assume things, right? And, and that's what we want to move away from. We want everyone to understand that why are we saying diversity is great for business? Why are we saying we need more different voices, different perspectives? Because it does support us and it supports us in creating better results. You know, statistically, um, there's evidence that shows that more diverse teams uh, are you know, more innovative, more creative, performance is better. Uh, problem solving is better. So all the great things any team wants to achieve is achieved through that. Unless people understand that, it's not going to help. And, you know, if I'm being very honest and transparent with you over my career, there's many times I've been in a room with other people who look like me where I've been told, you're the future of our organization. We need more people like you, but you don't tell everyone else. And then there's assumptions made that somehow I'm getting, you know, some special treatment or, you know, some advantage. And, and the truth is, if I am the future of an organization, I want everyone to celebrate it. I want everyone to understand what I bring or, you know, what challenges that I might face, because I do think that then really creates that cultural change that helps drive that true inclusion. Surely some of the things that you're talking about, some of, the, some of those experiences um, have got underlying jealousy, uh, I'm assuming. And you've got a long track record in this space. I'm wondering whether you were put off or have you always been a change maker and, and what's driven you to carry on facing those challenges within those boardrooms, within those meetings? I, I think the first thing is that, you know, of course I face challenges and I face challenges, you know, throughout my career at different times. You know, I've done the whole code switching, I've done, you know, face the imposter syndrome, everything everyone sees, right? And I've also failed numerous times, which, you know, uh, if, 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 if you look sometimes at success and people only see where you are, not realizing how many times, you know, you failed. But one of the things I've learned is that, you know, when I drive this subject in the boardroom with senior leaders, it is really important for me to pitch it and, you know, put it forward as any other business project, right? Any other business objective. And that requires you to really position it in a way that you're removing some of the emotional connection. And I'm not saying the emotional connection is not going to be there. It will be there. But how do I present things that it's about our company, it's about our organization and drive the true change we want to see? Um, and that really helps because when something doesn't get approved, you can go back, think about how do you change it? How do you, you know make it slightly different and bring it back? Whereas if you, if you have that personal connection, sometimes it seems like a personal uh, rejection or a personal hit. Um, and that's the piece that I think is so important that we we separate some of that. We use the emotion in a good way, but we pitch it like any other business objective because it is about our business. Can I throw it to you though? Is that um, <laughs> it's a really interesting discussion um, that you can present it as a business case, of course, you know, the pitching of ideas and stuff. But surely we also have to look at who's making the decision based on those pitches. And 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 I suppose my question is, because if you've got the decision makers um, in a different mindset, then those changes aren't going to happen. Do you feel that you've had to be cleverer in some ways to get around those systems and those decision makers? 
So, so I think, you know, the, 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 the thing is, can you talk the language of the decision makers is, is my piece, right? So they understand business and they understand business really well. Diversity might be more of a difficult topic sometimes for some leaders where, you know, there's elements of it they don't understand or they don't truly, truly see. I don't think they have ill intent at any point. So, so the thing is, how do you match that language that it's pitched in a way that it is talking, you know, their language, but at the same time, you're not, you know, you're still highlighting what's important, why it matters, and you're using it as an education moment. And I think that's the critical thing because we've got so much when you think about the last couple of years. And again, prior to this, I was working for Adidas, right? And a lot of positive change there as well. But the key thing is, how do you take this momentum and use it to drive positive change? Because in all honesty, if I go back 20 years when I first started my career, diversity used to be, you know, let's set up a stall, hand out a few balloons and a few pens and job was done, right? And luckily, in the last couple of years, there's been more momentum, a lot more doors are open, people are ready to listen. But how do we use this time to really embed some of those positive things we want to do, some of that change we want to see. So, so I do think the opportunity is there um, and people are ready to listen. But how do we weave it into the, 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 the right space and the right way? And, and I always talk about DEI as being critical to our business, critical to the success of who we are, whether that be from a, you know, retaining, recruiting the best employees or whether, whether it's around creating the best products, services, content, and so on. And when you see it in that way, then it's critical to your business. I want to kind of round up our discussion looking at your priorities for Warner Brothers Discovery on and off screen over the next 12 months. Definitely. So, so I think, look, it, for us, the key thing is it's about representation. It's about having that diversity, um, you know, people from underrepresented backgrounds, both on and off screen. And that's really important, right? Because it's not about just uh, one element or one side of it. So it's about, you know, who, who's behind the cameras, who's doing the makeup, you know, all those different elements. How do we weave diversity into it and, and create true opportunities? Then looking at things like supplier diversity, how, you know, how much are we holding some of our suppliers to account for the same, um, you know, uh, elements of diversity that we believe in? And then on screen, it's not just about, you know, uh, stereotypical representation, but it's more than that. How do we tell authentic stories? How do we tell a different story? You know, how do we tell stories that are celebrating the successes of diverse communities? And then more, more important than all of that as well is future consumers. You know, globally, diversity, if you think about how much change has happened and the buying power of diverse communities, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I, I grew up and I, I still, I, I use this example quite often that when I was in university, every, and I did a bachelor's in management and new resource management, Every successful business, every successful uh, you know, business leader was always someone who didn't look like me. And now I look at the UK and I look at the 10 richest people in the UK and I think at least four or five of them look like me. And that's huge, right? So the, the, the people who are buying products, the people who are your consumers is rapidly changing. And how do we adapt to, of course, retain our current customer base, but also expand into these numerous other areas of diversity that are huge opportunities for the success of our business. But to do that, we must be representative, both, you know, uh, in front of the camera and behind the camera. And things have moved on, Asif, as you say, and DEI is an area that's getting a lot of buying power, if you like. What advice would you give to an aspiring leader in this space? 
I think uh, the, the biggest advice would be is, you know, ensuring that you really do build that long-term sustainable change. You know, I've seen, you know, going back to all the years I've spent, you know, I've seen all those actions, I've seen all those feel-good moments. And as great as they are, they don't change anything. You will be having the same conversations in 12 months' time, in 24 months' time. But if you're truly going to, you know, change this space, it is about the long term. What is your, what is your, you know, 12-month plan, your three-year plan, your five-year plan? Because what I don't want to be doing, and I say this a lot in our organization, is having the same conversations we're having today in two years, because that would be a failure. So it's about creating the systems that truly allow us to have different conversations. Even with pipeline, you know, when people talk about attracting diverse talent, if it's not in our industry, are we going back to schools? Are we encouraging more young people to study the subjects, you know, subjects in media and broadcasting and so on to get them in? Yes, that won't have an impact on us today, but at least in two years, the next group of people trying to break into this industry will be a lot more uh, diverse in that respect. So it is about the long-term um, long-term change, long-term gains. And that's not to say you can't have those feel-good moments. You can celebrate them, of course, and you can have the feel-good moments, but you need to have a long-term strategy that truly invents the change you want to see. Asif, thank you for your time. It's been really fascinating, for sure. And thank it's you. great getting to know you and dig into your style of change-making. Fantastic. And um, thank you for giving us also a window into Warnock Brothers Discovery and how you get things done there. And thank goodness things have moved on from balloons and pens. And thank you for being an IBC change-maker. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the IBC Changemakers podcast with me, host Nadira Tudor.